0: To the Brooklyn Poets Yawp Cast for December second, twenty twenty-three. Our annual bonus edition featuring the twelve winners of Yop Poem of the Month over the course of the year, facing off for Yop Poem of the Year honors. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. Our Yop Poem of the Year contest is one of the biggest events of the year at Brooklyn Poets. The winner is decided by audience vote, just like Yacht Poem of the Month, and wins a $500 cash prize and a featured reading at our annual awards gala. This year's Poem of the Year finalists included Kiara DeLalo, Anne Herondine, Jazz Sufi, Sky Jackson, Jenny Pinio Dunn, Naomi Brenman, Alexis Dibbs, Nicole Alexander, Claire Madden, Ava Kohler, S. E. Zalalem. And last but not least, Megan Gwilt. All right, so let's get right to the action. It was another good one, I should say, great one. Enjoy the Yacht Poem of the Year contest for 2023. All right, welcome everyone. How are you doing? Amazing crowd in the house. I don't think I've ever seen this many people in here since the grand opening last July, or two Julys ago, 2022. Um, we apologize there aren't more seats. If we could if we could make the space bigger right now, we would, <laughs> and create more chairs, we would. Uh, if you're in the middle, uh, just be conscious people might be trying to get back and forth uh, at some point. Uh, if you want to sit on the floor, you absolutely can, if you're, if you're cool with that. <laughs> uh, if there happen to be, there seems to be a seat right here. I don't know if someone's sitting there, but maybe not. Um, anyone can try to claim that. <laughs> if there are other empty seats, you might be so bold as to ask if the seats are actually available. Uh, if you don't know who I am, I am Jason Koo, Executive Director of Brooklyn Poets. It's good to be back. Thank you. So that, was a, that was a very genteel applause. Uh, I will take it. I haven't been here for five weeks. Uh, my wife and I just had our second daughter November 5th. That was cool. It's very cool to have a baby. <laughs> so, so you stop sleeping. Um, and it's not so much because of the newborn, but because I also have an 18-month-old, and she's gotten, she's gotten very attached to Daddy. Uh, so uh, that's great. She wakes up like two, three times a night. Uh, and uh, sometimes I have to sleep with her <laughs> for the last three hours. That's what I did last night. Anyway, uh, it's gradually... I'm glad to be in in Brooklyn again, uh, doing this event. Uh, It's one of my favorite events. I've showered today, which is a plus. Uh, I think I've gotten like a shower a week (laughs) for the past month. Way too much personal information. Uh, But this is a very exciting event. Um, If you haven't been to the Yacht before, it is our most popular event, a monthly event on the second Monday of every month. It is a sort of two-part event. There's uh, a workshop at the beginning led by one of our teachers, a generative writing workshop uh, for the first hour, and then for the last hour and a half or so is an open mic. And at every YOP open mic, we vote for Poem of the Month. The audience votes, in other words. And uh, with us tonight are the 12 winners of Poem of the Month over the past year. So yes, give them all a round of applause. Uh, And it's important to do that because uh, I want everyone to know that they're already a winner tonight. They are a finalist for Poem of the Year, but they have, in fact, won Poem of the Month already. And when you win Poem of the Month, not only do you get uh, Brooklyn Poets' tote bag, which is great, but you also get a ticket to our Awards Gala, which is coming up on December 10th. Uh, That is not a cheap ticket, as some of you may know if you've looked at it. Uh, But all of the winners of Poem of the Month get a complimentary ticket to the Awards Gala, and the winner tonight will not only get their complimentary ticket, but also a plus one. So if you are a friend of one of the Poets tonight, you might not only want to vote for them to help them win, but because they might take you to the awards gala, <laughs> and that would be great for you, uh, but the winner tonight will take home a $500 cash prize and also read at our awards gala, uh, so it will be a very cool thing. We are recording live. We record the Yawp every month as a podcast that so we call the Yopcast and tonight's Yopcast is the special one recording the Poem of the Year contest featuring these 12 finalists, or winners, I should say, again, of Poem of the Month over the past year. Let me tell you about a couple of other events coming up that are not the Awards Gala on December 10th, a couple of free events coming up next Thursday, our Fall Intern Showcase featuring the interns this fall that many of you may have met if you've come in for our events. Uh, Ashna's working in the back at the bar. Let's give her a round of applause. <laughs> Molly is working the desk up here. Uh, They're all fantastic interns and, uh, more importantly, fantastic poets, and they're going to share their work that night. It starts at 6.30. It's a free event. And next Friday, our fall in-person workshop showcase, which is an event featuring uh, students and faculty from our fall workshops. So there's going to be about, I think, 24 readers that night. So if you're into hearing a lot of poets, not just a few, (laughs) I would come to that one. Uh, Okay, Uh, so I am going to just get the fuck out of the way and get these poets up here. Uh, if you're wondering about the format, they're each going to read the poem, that one Yacht Poem of the Month, over the past year. Uh, and I'm realizing now that my master sheet, which is very beautifully put together, I should say, by the staff here, does not have the titles of the poet's poems. So, poets, I'm going to invite you to read the title yourself, which I'm sure you know how to do, and I will introduce your name and your bio. Um, Some people think there's like uh, an advantage to like reading early or at the end or in the middle. So to uh, make everyone feel better about the fact that it's completely fair, we ask the poets to pick a lot at the beginning. So they each pick one strip of paper, numbered one through 12. And uh, the order that they're reading in is just decided randomly by the piece of paper that they picked. Um, So if you're here tonight, you should have a paper ballot. If you're here in person, do not lose that ballot. (laughs) You will not get another one. All right, because we want to keep the uh, the vote as fair as possible. If you are joining us virtually, hi, all of you on Zoom. You obviously don't have a paper ballot, but at the end of the readings, after the last, the 12th poet has read, we will unleash a Zoom poll <laughs> with the 12 poets, and you will get to pick one of those poets at the end of the readings. Then we'll take about a 15, 20-minute break, just long enough so that we can count all the in-person votes. We'll obviously add those totals to the virtual votes, and then we will come back and tell you the runner-up for the yacht New Year Contest, and then the winner of the yacht New Year Contest. And whoever the winner is, will invite you to come up here and give your Oscar speech. So I hope you've prepared something. Uh, no pressure. Our first reader of the evening is Eva Kohler. Eva Kohler is a writer. Please. Eva Kohler is a writer and public health professional originally from Tioga County in upstate New York. She has taken poetry courses at the University of Delaware and some workshops over the years and is happy to have found Brooklyn Poets as a source of inspiration and community. Her day job is supporting climate tech entrepreneurs, that sounds very serious, and she's often mulling over how to work electrochemistry into sonnets, also sounds very serious, and vice versa. She lives in Brooklyn with her dog Odysseus, clearly a poet. Give it up for Eva Kohler. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Thank you. Hi, guys. Thanks so much. Um, The poem that I'm going to share with you tonight is called Solo Passage. The sign at the entrance to the Humboldt County Regional Redwood Park bluntly warns me that solo hikers are more likely to be eaten by mountain lions. (laughs) I add this to my growing list of indignities of being single and 30-something, like the cost of a one-bedroom apartment, and always sitting next to strangers on the plane, like my birthday's ticking past four minutes to midnight now on the womb's clock, like how I have to plan 21 meals every week, and it is always my turn to do the dishes... <laughs> Like how my married friends invite me to a Galentine's Day brunch. And how, after the second mimosa, they pat my hand and tell me they envy my freedom, actually. And how I do not tell them that love is a walled garden I've never been inside. And I don't know why I want to go, except I was walking the dog at 3 AM because he had diarrhea and there is no one else. And I kept thinking about Noah and how all the single animals (laughs) drowned. The sign at the entrance to the Humboldt County Regional Redwood Park Forest offers me a second fact. Redwood roots are too shallow for their skyward ambitions. Underneath the soil, the whole forest reach out their grimy fingers and hold on. And that's how they stay standing.
0: Great job, Eva. What a way to start. I remember that line about uh, all the single animals dying. (laughs) One of the most powerful lines I've ever heard. I just never thought about that before. Uh, It's really fucked up if you think about it. (laughs) Our second poet of the evening is Nicole Alexander. Nicole Alexander is a poet based between Los Angeles, California and Brooklyn, New York. She received a BA in English and Textual Studies from Syracuse University in 2020. Nicole is currently working on her first collection of poems. Give it up for Nicole Alexander.
2: Hey, (laughs) y'all. What's up? Uh, I'm Nicole, and the poem I'm going to be reading for you today is called U.E.S. Every kid in the Upper East Side is standing beside a woman of color, and I want to be one of them. (laughs) In a glimpse, I could see my own life through the eyes of a nine-year-old drenched in care. A candy they're yet to realize is right there for them to taste. I dream of a chandelier crystallized with luck and good fortune in the home I work in. Things I'm yet to imagine revealing themselves to me as I make a quiet snack of smoked salmon. The golden package gracing marble countertops. Oh, if I could just have a crumb of farmer's market fresh focaccia, it could all be mine. The 10-foot ceilings, the 86 inch closet towers, the skyline, clear and bright. And when I walk with Parker through the pearly gates of Lexington Avenue, Santa Claus will no longer be an urban legend, but a man who grants wishes to the ones least deserving of them. After all, seeing is Believing. Thank you.
0: Amazing, amazing, amazing. Thank you, Nicole. I love how everyone laughed at the name Parker. <laughs> that, was perf- that was perfect. <laughs> like no explanation necessary. Uh, all right, two great poets, two great pairs of shoes, by the way. Someone, someone applauded the first reader's pair of shoes. Also great shoes by Nicole. No pressure, all of the other readers tonight. I'm sure you also brought your shoe game. Our third reader of the night is Alexis Dibbs. Alexis also goes by Lex, is a native New Yorker, born and raised in South Brooklyn. Although she's been writing since she was in high school, it wasn't until her friend Sumiko introduced her to Brooklyn Poets. In fact, Sumiko asked when when you were reading on Zoom just a few minutes ago. (laughs) Sumiko introduced her to Brooklyn Poets uh, that she started reading her poems publicly at Friday Night Opens and Yop Open Mics. She says she is forever grateful for the community and friends she has made in the space. Lex has been working in public health since the start of the pandemic and uses poetry as a means to compartmentalize the negative thoughts and overwhelming feelings to create something beautiful. The poem she'll be reading today is dedicated to her grandmother and is for the plants of an ex-partner. It was inspired by finding the highs in a relationship filled with many lows and holding on to those moments of joy while also acknowledging the stressors that accompanied it. Give it up for Alexis Dibbs. Hey, everyone. I'm Lex. Uh, The
3: poem I'll be reading today is the plants. Pick the petals before they fall. To the sound of I like you, I like you not. Even at my prettiest you plucked me ugly. Morphed into versions of self unsustainable to wake up to. Most days I craved rain. Toes tucked under the covers praying showers would wash away the dirt from kissing succulents with bare lips. Sucker punching bags until my knuckles bled aloe. Melting to the artificial heat I mistook for chemistry. Soil thinking moisture would last. Thinking tears could be heard in the silence of condensation. Fogging up the insides of a windowpane left open to enter. A clouded dream of forget-me-nots. Forget Forgetting the plants still needed love even if you never learned to care for them. Never inherited green thumb passed down from generations of farmers hunched over harvesting berries in Sicily, hoping the harvest would produce an abundance of sweetness. My grandmother says that was my inheritance, sweetness, because even if nothing from the season lets me down easy, I find something to eat. When left with bitterness on my tongue, I turn the dirt into song, tuning your guitars one last time before I go pluck the strings in early morning for the sound to illuminate the room. An alarm clock for your plants blooming, blessing them with kindness over sirens, as I say good morning to each and every one of them. Watering them with your cups half full on your desk at your bedside, hoping, sorry, I got nervous. (laughs) Wondering why they grew best in my presence. Why the glasses were always empty, never questioning my callous thumbs or echoes from plucking the melody of here comes the sun over and over and hoping the rays would peek through the curtain's blind spot. Deliver the sweetness of the harvest hidden in the light that never quite hit in the ways I hoped. See, this isn't a soliloquy to pick me. But the plants I failed to propagate before I left pick their leaves when they're the color of rust and when they wilt tilt their pots to face the sun. Nourish them with so much kindness and so much love and melodies of songs you never knew I sung. If you split their stem, be mindful of their heart. I'll sweep up the petals that fell at the start lest our bodies never touch again. Let our silhouettes dance in the shadows of the plants. Let their green leaf My lips red from eating the final harvest my grandmother had left. Thank you.
0: Okay, beautiful poem. Thank you, Lex. We are already a quarter of the way through. Our fourth reader is Claire Madden. I feel like now I have to wait after every name. Just make sure you all applaud (laughs) so they don't feel left out. Claire Madden has always found her thoughts and emotions most authentically expressed in poetry, stories, and music. Throughout her work, she explores themes of identity, nostalgia, and relationship to home, among others an environmental techie by day. She hopes to take on the title of poet as a main descriptor going forward and is excited to be part of the Brooklyn Poets community. Claire is a graduate of Stanford University where she was an active member of the Spoken Word Collective for three years. She lives between Connecticut and Brooklyn with her cat, Princess Fluff. (laughs) Give it up for Claire Madden. Hi, everyone.
4: My name is Claire. The poem I'm reading today is called Return to Self. Eighteen years later and I'm me again, like the me when I ate twin popsicles and wore beads down my back, red, blue, red, tiny rubber bands, magic auntie hands twisting for hours in front of reruns of the Parkers and America's Next Top Model. We'd only root for Eva Pigford, or Yaya, and I would learn to praise black women's hands and the way they could break and still turn thin air into whatever they wanted. A barren bowl to macaroni and cheese, an empty girl to an oasis, Savannah warm, head full of pink lotioned braids, copper penny chin. Eighteen years later, and I've I've recovered from lie and relaxer, hoping one day those magic hands would be mine. I'm still working on it. Most days my hair is six a.m. and day seven dry. My hair is bonnet fresh and lonely for days of aunties and TV static. It wants water, it wants an ancient oil, it wants the hands of an unknown African country to touch it, and it wants R&B playing in the background while they're doing it. And by doing it, I mean creating something beautiful. And by creating something beautiful, I mean something that not everyone will understand. Something that keeps me waking up early for wash days and keeps my fingers screaming as they run the marathon, moving swiftly from my scalp to my shoulder, weaving through centuries of muscle memory so that today I lower my chances of my hair being anything but noticeable. From being wild, being Medusa, frizzball, petting zoo, unhinged garden gate, my hair on the wrong day makes my body into a public good. I'm a walking tragedy of the commons, parts of me torn apart and bought and sold, and worn on white backdrops, and then they are beautiful. And by beautiful, I mean something that everyone is forced to understand as the standard." And by standard, I mean opposite of myself, me, substandard wrong side of the yin-yang, years of honey and shea butter swirling me onyx, swirling me black and silver, graphite-skinned UFO, a body stripped bare and mosaic throughout a blonde world where nobody knows who Countess Vaughn is. Suddenly, I'm spectacle, thing to be touched and prodded without permission. I am black hole for questions, and I'm tired of answering. And all I ever did was be born in this world with a nice auntie and basic cable and (laughs) and survive 18 years of hair chemicals and scabs and burning only to return natural after decades of hating the mirror, which leads me to today. Today my hair is selfish, it wants a hat with a satin lining, it wants those 400 thread count bedsheets, it wants to get wrapped up in them tenderly, it wants to be hummed Kailani and India Ari while it hibernates after a long day of twisting so it can feel safe for once, see? My curls are always trying to return back to that soft magic static.
0: Okay, great poem. Great ending. <laughs> Soft magic static. Um, yeah, good stuff. So you commute between Connecticut and Brooklyn too? Um, I recently moved to Connecticut and I come down here. Okay, because I commute between Connecticut and Brooklyn. I was like, we should talk afterward. <laughs> anyway, we don't have to talk about that. Let's not talk about that. It's It's a boring subject. Anyway, we are on to our fifth poet. Our fifth poet is Jazz Sufi. You may know Jazz or her amazing dog. Uh, I don't know if Jazz brought her dog tonight, but uh, I love her dog. Jazz Sufi is a mixed-race Iranian-American poet and arts educator. Her work has been published or is forthcoming in Agni, Colorado Review, Black Warrior Review, Bird Feast, and elsewhere. She is a National Poetry Slam finalist and has received fellowships from Kundiman, the Watering Hole, and New York University, where she received her MFA as a Goldwater Fellow. She lives in Brooklyn with her dog, Apollo. Give it up for Jazz (laughs) Sufi.
5: Embarrass me in front of all these fucking people, just sit.
0: <laughs> <sighs>
5: Men don't let women have anything. <laughs> Someday I'll love Jazz Sufi after Ocean Vong. And it's so hard, you know? Because I am so full of love and none of it for me. I am so full of water. I am a river. I go to the river and love drains through my open hands. They are so useful, my hands. They open doors, they are the open doors. They lock me behind them and no one else can come inside. I convince myself the key is hidden under someone else's tongue. I go looking for the wrong tongue. I fit wrong in my own mouth when I am a skeleton inside someone else's bones. I go looking to fix everyone but myself. Here is a list of therapists. Here is a glass of water. I am so thirsty. I look in the mirror and I become a pillar of salt. I am my own wife before I am myself. I wait for someone to come home, and no one ever does. I never love myself back. And for this and other reasons, I've called myself empty. I've called myself broken. I've called myself things I would never name a child. But I want another chance at the rest of my life now. This time, I sing the knife to sleep. The knife I mistook for a mirror or an open door But I can cast a shadow without having to live inside of it. I illuminate my own bones, fill them back full of marrow. I ritual the blood back into my body and it sings. But this isn't a prayer song, no praise or amen. Any church here I built with my hands. My hands, the stained glass and the stone, my name in a good book made better by my name. My blood and body that will save no one but myself. I save myself, I resurrect myself. I forgive myself for the coffin I thought I would be in by now. The coffin I mistook for a mirror or an open door to somewhere better than here. I am better than here. I am here, better. One day, I will love Jazz Sufi. I'm learning how to do it better every day. Here is a list of my golden bones. Here's a glass of water. I can drink without drowning. I don't dissolve on anyone's tongue. I say my own name and a lock unlocks. A door opens. my mouth fills. With light. Thank you guys so much.
0: OK. Amazing. Thank you, jazz, And I'm having a good time. It's good to be back. I'm so glad you brought Apollo. I just figured you'd leave him. Yeah, I thought. And just like, oh, there's too many people. I'm gonna leave him at home. But no, she's like, I'm bringing Apollo. <laughs> and Apollo was so good. Uh, we are on to our sixth poet. We are uh, just about halfway through. Our sixth poet is Jenny Pinneo Dunn. Yeah, you all gotta applaud now. <laughs> now you have to. Jenny Pinneo Dunn is a poet from North of the Wall. Apparently, we've all forgotten Game of Thrones now. <laughs> a recovering academic, a terribly unfunny aspiring jokester, and a sci fi novelist in training. She is a stepmom to Huxley and Danger, wife to Ryan, and girlfriend to Lux. She enjoys reckless improvisational cooking. I'd like to see what that is. <laughs> and reading poetry in several languages. Give it up for Jenny Pinney <laughs>
6: Can you hear me okay, from there, yeah? Okay, okay. Um, So I'm gonna be reciting an excerpt of a poem, a longer poem I wrote, called Subway Bint Sundog Bint Arbutus Isle. And it's about three generations of women in my family and how different we are because we're shaped by very different places. Uh, The first character, Arbutus Isle, is my mother. She was shaped by an ocean environment on Vancouver Island. Arbutus Isle was the name of my grandpa's fishing boat. And I am Sundog. I was raised in the Yukon territory in the northwest of Canada, um, thus north of the wall. (laughs) And I was shaped by the boreal forest, and by the long winters, and by the short, wild summers. And now my husband and I are hoping to conceive a daughter to raise here in Brooklyn. And in this excerpt, I'm considering how different their experience of life will be being born here. And I'm kind of mourning the loss, that they won't know the magic of this place I love. Okay. Subway, Bint sundog, Bint Arbutus Isle. My little otter will rattle over the Atlantic on subway cars to school. I will tell her joyful tales of fearsome cold, mesmerizing cold, of cold that pierces your flesh so deep you can't even feel it burn you. You can't even think. But the real burn comes later. The blazing cold that burns even worse in reverse when you find the warmth of the holy inside. When you crouch huddled in front of the heat of the radiant wood stove, gazing dazedly into the deepest red-black heartthrobs of the raging flames. As the slow-moving, slower-warming, icy blood like thick sludge creeps, crawls, comes back through you, and feeling fights back into the cheeks, the thighs the fingertips, in sharp stabs and sparks of fiery agony. A lesson for little Subway to learn. Strong beauty sings if you can push through that suffering. You will feel outrageously alive. So vibrant your cells are shining bright, so deeply resonant you are with life. I will tell her tales. Of leaving my hair wet for the walk to school so I could rhythmically crack snap the frozen strands. Of the knowing that if your eyes seal shut with icicles, you must counterintuitively close them tighter to win open to freedom and sight once again. Of the knowing, excuse me, of breathing through your nose of necessity so that the fleeting passage through nasal cavity body heat warms the icy air just slightly before it strikes your lungs like a sword swipe. I just mispronounced sword and now it threw me off. Hold on. (laughs) Um, I will tell her tales. Thank you. (laughs) I will tell her tales of the diamond winter days, flawless, heart hurtingly beautiful, essential. I will tell her of the clean crunch of truly cold snow firm beneath your feet, of the sun dog ringing out a halo gong of silent song, of the sharpest lodgepole pine shadows slicing the sparkling frozen forest floor, angled across snow-crusted dunes (coughs) swept by wind and wisps of crystal ice. Like a whisper, nature uttered in surprise, secret delight. All is flooded in painfully stark, clear, dry moonlight. Pardon me. I really lost my place. I. Pardon me. Oh. Okay. I will tell her tales of the crisp clarity of the air No smell fresher, none purer, no sound clearer than the raven's caw riding unobstructed across the frozen emerald smear of northern lights, cradling the cavernous atmosphere. Now I'm afraid, my little otter, most hoped-for daughter. I'm afraid you will be so city. You will feel only the pain, only the cold. You will not feel the joy. So remember, little Subway, strong beauty sings if you can push through that suffering. Thank you.
0: Okay, thank you, Jenny. Um, If you're in the back, sorry, sometimes a little hard to hear, if you're... One of our remaining readers, just make sure to read into the mic because it sounds loud up here, I know, but uh, the people in the back sometimes can't hear. And uh, the more I turn up the decibels, the more we risk horrible feedback, and I don't want to do that to you. Our next poet of the evening is Sky Jackson. <laughs> Sky Jackson was born in New Orleans, Louisiana. Her work has appeared in the Southern Review, Electric Literature, Green Mounds Review, Rattle, and elsewhere. Her chapbook *A Faster Grave won the 2019 Antenna Prize. Her work has been a finalist for the 2023 Iowa Review Poetry Award, the Rattle Poetry Prize, the Rhino Founders Prize, and in 2021, she received the AWP Intro Journals Award. Sky's work was also selected by Billy Collins for inclusion in the Library of Congress Poetry 180 Project. In 2022, she won the KGB Open Mic Contest in New York City. And served as the writer in residence at the Key West Literary Seminar in Florida. She currently teaches at Xavier University. Give it up for Sky Jackson.
7: Hey y'all. Hey. Oh my God, I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Um, this is amazing. So thankful for all of you. This poem is called. When the white girl in the bathroom at Hadestown ask if I'm cosplaying as Persephone, I smile graciously and say, I am not. <laughs> but drenched in her purple mink with green eyes and bathroom dyed red hair, she'll never know that in hell I too have raised a cup to my lips, not knowing if it was filled with wine or blood and drank anyway. I too have kept death's empty bed warm, lit a candle dying on his nightstand. In fact, I have loved so many different deaths in doorways, in churches, at the breath of my father's wrath. I have left my mother crying for darker men and moods and ways as the flowers began to brown with decay. I have prayed to see a son long since abandoned, cast my eyes down as fair Eurydice polished our endless rooms of silver with her strawberry hair and laughed at the quiet reproach of the night still. Thank you.
0: Okay, thank you Sky. Beautiful poem. We have got five poets left. It's amazing. It's almost over already. I don't want to get sad, but uh, it's been fun. Our eighth <laughs> poet of the evening is Megan Gwilt. <laughs> Megan Gwilt is a Midwesterner who found herself in New York City. By day, she is a marketing manager working in news and entertainment. By night, she is a Percy Jackson superfan who dabbles in poetry. Her work draws from Greek mythology, New York City, and her relationships with friends and family. Using poetry as a means to share just how much she loves and adores the people in her life, her guiding principle in her work comes from Sarah Kay, who said to look for the light in every poem. Give it up for Megan (laughs) Gwilt.
8: I saw that we had some Percy Jackson fans in the audience, so please be streaming the show when it comes out on December 20th, but I digress, which just so happens to be the title of this poem. At the very top of April, spring in its infancy, I find us laughing on a bench in Brooklyn. I am overdressed for coffee again, but you don't yet know this is just who I am. I am just a poet who got back from London and asked you to get coffee after class, only to complain the lack of caffeine-free options, which you just found out I do not drink. I find us giggling all the way to a park when the day turned out to be too nice to spend in a coffee shop, the kind of new spring day when New York City picks up every last snowflake and magics it into glitter under my wedges. The sun always shines on us, but sometimes the wind blows, like one beach day in September while I was staying with your family when the wind whipped in from the ocean, making an 80-degree de- degree day feel like 50, but we still parked our blanket on the shoreline next to a man in a yellow Speedo, and I ran off in search of shells keeping that speedo in sight as my flag to find my way home and you worried I drowned because I was out of your sight for too long and when I follow you into the waves you cheer me on feign shock when I dip my head below them and we both laugh when I come up coughing but you do not know her yet you see a blonde bitch with a bad bob and an iced herbal tea and something she desperately needs to say At the top of April, sun deciding it's tired of rain, I find us on a bench discussing our Fridays, and I muster the courage to ask your opinion on a mutual connection, and relief floods my bones when you share my hesitation. On a a bench in Brooklyn, we discover we are not alone, and we don't yet know just how not alone we are, but for this moment in April in Brooklyn under the sun, your presence is enough a new friendship budding with the cherry blossoms as we sit and talk like we now do almost every day, making tea in our matching mugs at our kitchen table we carried for a mile across Brooklyn in August and admire our own handiwork, our painted walls, our garbage plucked furniture, sometimes discussing the same old wounds I find us licking today because we haven't done any of that yet haven't spent three months looking for an apartment or five hours waiting for my movers or five days in the same room. We haven't renamed our Wi-Fi, or renamed you spouse in my phone because roommate was not an option. We have not yet started theming things for an excuse to dress up. Have not yet gotten Evan Peters number at a birthday party in Brooklyn. You have not yet learned I am an orange cat. You are constantly cat sitting, leaving a fork out to feed me when you try HelloFresh and placing the breakables higher up but not too high. In case I open the fridge and the second I do, our Pathos decides to jump off of it. You have not yet learned my cabinets have the space to open every can of worms you could possibly want to or hide away inside all my extra storage. You have not yet shared your family, your home, or your pina colada on the beach, which I don't yet know you love. And I don't even know your last name yet. And I don't even know how much I will love you because I find us in April in Brooklyn with the sun slashing through every last cloud as if the sky wants me to see just how parallel our lives have been. It's April, and it's too cold to go to the beach, but it's the perfect weather to sit on a bench, laughing, crying, staring, sharing, to people watch, to drink a decaf oat milk latte. It's the perfect weather to meet your best friend.
0: Okay, thank you, Megan. This might be the first time we've had two best friends competing against each other. I don't want to create any drama, but uh, I think the drama already exists. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, we're on to our last four poets of the evening. Our next poet, our ninth, is also a former Broken Poets intern. Naomi Brenman, give it up for Naomi. Naomi Brenman is a writer from Brooklyn. She graduated from Sarah Lawrence College where she studied creative nonfiction and religion. She now finds the brevity of poetry exciting. Her work draws on biblical themes and aims to amplify the experience of living with mental illness. Her work has been published in Red Noise Collective and Peach Fuzz. Once more for Naomi Brenman.
9: Hi, this poem is called Call Me Crazy. On the floor thrashing, breath rapid as nothing spins in my head but rage, and an appetite for striking matches in the form of screams. Because something is wrong inside, you wouldn't know it on a day like today. For example, I tell Luke I was crazy. He says, oh, you mean crazy like shit-faced? I say, no, I don't. (laughs) He says, oh, you mean crazy like really high? He says, you mean crazy like having an off day? No, I mean crazy like spectators purchase tickets to watch the play in my living room from the house across the street. I chose Hamlet, a play within a play, and within it I am on the floor, unable to regulate, but still human. Remember that. I mean, crazy like I'm a regular at the Kings County Hospital R building where the sinkstone of knobs and daytime TV is spliced with static, where I see my psychiatrist weekly because she is concerned. I mean, crazy like a suicide risk with a history, 15 days of meds at a time to prevent the preventable if possible. I mean crazy not as a euphemism, but with kinship for the man unhinged on an F-train who could have been me and was me when I fled home with my favorite things in two bagu bags and a negative balance in my checking account. At 2 a.m. outside Penn Station, gave away my last cigarette, posted my entire ambulance ride on my story because I was scared. And now, once a month, I sit in a green chair at a clinic in the Kings County Hospital R building and wait for the nurse to stick a long needle in my ass, feel the fluid push inside, like I am a wild creature that must be subdued. After a friend died, I wanted to see how far down it went. And I know now that though you see me as like you, I see myself as the man digging through the trash at J Street Metro Tech, who I met in inpatient. Like the woman just looking for two dollars who sometimes forgets to ask because she is too busy talking to herself. But when she tells me she loves me, I say it back. Ask anyone who's ever loved me if I've shattered their heart and twisted the blade. Ask them and they'll tell you. I'm crazy like batshit, but human. And if something was wrong inside and I lost it on the F train, would you let them kill me too?
0: Right. Whew. It's gonna be hard to vote. I'm not gonna lie. Thanks, Naomi. That's the broken poets fam right there. Get extra choked up about that one. We've got uh, three poets left, if my math is correct. Our tenth poet of the evening is Anne Herondine. I want you to get ready for Anne Herondine's bio, because it's very brief. Anne Herondine is a novelist and now poet who lives in Brooklyn. Give it up for Anne Herondine.
10: Yeah, I'm too old. If I gave my full biography, we'd be here all night. Keep it short. This poem is called The Star. It's the starring role. Already I know they don't give good parts to deformed girls. But here I am, six years old, my first Christmas pageant, in my mother's cut-down blue party dress, clip-on hoop earrings, a scarf over my head, holding a doll wrapped in a blanket. Mary, the mother of baby Jesus, and... Wait, what the fuck? I have no lines. I just sit there saying nothing. The angels, the shepherds, the three wise men, Joseph, my husband, hell, even the sheep and the cow have lines. Even if just ba or moo. Only I. Me, Anne of the pretty face and fugly hands, am silent. In the beginning was the word. In Luke, I say my soul doth magnify the Lord. But here on this stage, I am given no words. There are no words for me. I am no one. Don't you know who I am? I am Mary, mother of God. I hold my plastic, voiceless son, the son of God, while children dressed in robes and skins stand around me, speaking. Jesus H. Christ. Wait until your father gets home.
0: Great stuff, And Harrendy. Fuck yeah. Okay. Sorry. If, sorry if you love Jesus. <laughs> We've got two poets left. I'm just making sure I didn't skip anyone. We've got two poets left. Number eleven and number twelve. Number eleven is S. E. Zalalan. <laughs> S.E. Zalalem is an Ethiopian-American poet from Virginia with a background in performance and slam poetry, interested in time travel, gossip, first dates, illness, and lineage. You can find her volunteering with the Poetry Society of New York or calling her mom back. Give it up for S.E. Zalalem. Hello, this is Notes
11: on Black Lovers. My lover and I are sitting in a coffee shop. My tote bag is quilted from 30 other tote bags, all thrifted, each match his shoes. We are both drinking oat milk for two different dietary restrictions. (laughs) I have three nose piercings. He wears an earring. They match. I read Baldwin. He reads Sanchez. Old black couples smile at us from corner booths. We imagine ourselves, old black couple, smiling, corner booth. I listen to Badu, he listens to Rollins, sometimes we put on Monk just to nod, that way jazz folks nod, head side to to side and squinting. Everyone says my lover looks like someone they've met, and they're right, no one can look at my face without squinting. Sometimes I have nine earrings and he has a nose piercing, I read Baraka, he reads another Baraka. I underline a passage, he shakes his head, which is the way jazz lovers nod. Sometimes birds stop on the street to cock their head toward us. Sometimes we wake up and we're in a coffee shop. We wake up in a sanctuary. We wake up giving a speech on the fungibility of the black body to a sold out auditorium. We wake up steaming oat milk, buying tote bags, singing monk. His best friend says we look alike but cannot name any of my features. My lover and I will never wed, which is a secret we keep like scripture. I dip a finger in the pool of every universe we grow old in, none of them together but my lover cares for me. Each evening he washes the dishes and I write a think piece on the place of the black man in the household and he eats me out on the stovetop and my pussy gl- glitches in out of existence like a hologram. I wake up with scissors under my pillow. We fast for seven days, eat only guava seeds and fried tomato skins. I walk on the side of traffic. My lover holds the door open for me. We both bow our heads before we eat. We try to think of something bigger than ourselves. My lover thinks of me. I come up empty. Sometimes my lover tries on my skirt and his legs flicker my shade. My lover is my type, almost like I made him up. I made him up, he made me up. I am made of him, stolen, souped up, screwed tight. I wake up with his head under my pillow and reattach it firmly before making breakfast. We eat egg substitute made of mung beans and discuss the social death of the black spirit. My lover is my best muse. I never make a thing. My hands crack from disuse. He patches them up for me before writing a think piece on the black man returning to ancestral medicines. Sometimes I ask my lover a question and hear my words spill out his mouth. Sometimes I spit in my lover's face, what pours out my ears, eyes, viscous, hot. My lover is not me. My lover is not me. My lover. I give a speech to a thousand people while wearing my lover's head. He is headless and the audience, clapping. Sometimes my lover brings out his horn and plays me something low and sweet. I become split reeds, sharp wine, spittle gliding in the neck of the beast. I clap for him, headless, squinting into too bright sun. Sometimes I wake with a flower under my tongue. I give it to my lover. He dries it off, puts it in his hair. I say it reminds me of a Gwendolyn Brooks poem. He looks it up for me and braids the words tight against my scalp. (laughs)
0: Okay, okay, okay. S.E. Zolalem, amazing, amazing. Okay, uh, it's it's gonna be tough to vote. I'm telling you, I don't fucking have a clue right now. I might just go back there and drink some wine and just be like, fuck it. <laughs> just point my finger somewhere. Uh, our 12th and final poet of the evening is my friend and neighbor in Beacon, New York. We both live up there, but uh, I'm not biased. Chiara Delelo. <laughs> Chiara Delelo is a writer and educator. She delights in public art, public libraries, and getting improbable places by bicycle. For a born and raised New Yorker, she has a surprisingly strong interest in beekeeping. You can find out more about Chiara at Necessary That's a great website name. Give it up for Chiara Delalo. <laughs>
12: Thank you so much for being here. I had the longest to wait, and now I can't believe it's my turn. Um, This poem is called Overview Effect, and the overview effect is a phenomenon that's been documented when people go to space. They have a really intense psychological reaction to being off of the planet that we all come from. All right, overview effect. When I was a kid, soft-sided purple lunchbox, and star-patterned leggings days, there was a countdown clock at the exit of the rainforest area in the Central Park Zoo. It was the number of acres of Amazon left, and it was endlessly ticking down. A demented New Year's Eve, a specific but far-off doom that now is here. Some terrible scientific math concludes that as of this year, the Amazon rainforest now emits more carbon than it absorbs. Too much of it has been raised and converted to soy and livestock, these lungs of the planet now foaming red. We've ruined it and there was so much of it to ruin. It's the vastness of the crime as well of the, as the evil of it. This summer, William Shatner went to space and all he felt was grief. The kind a kid feels when she realizes death is not only something that happens to her mother's friend with cancer, when she sees in red blinking flip dots the exact amount of earthly bounty there is left, that it is knifingly finite and decreasing every day. And it makes her think of her father, ironically, the way the harm never abated, the bullheadedness and blithe inability to say, I'm sorry I hurt you and mean it. To say, I regret what I did, or I will do whatever I have to to make it right. The rainforest can't send back performative, shitty birthday presents. The rainforest can't say, don't text me or call me anymore. The rainforest can't take comfort in knowing the beef ranchers don't have to be invited to its wedding. Can't feel the confidence of its choices, and even if it could, very little would be okay because there is still the cloud of smoke and ash and acres of charred, dead ground. Captain Kirk peers through the plexi and feels it, the shuddering in the lungs, because we are still the only inhabitable speck in the cold and dark. And it will never be okay that I don't know the feeling of a dad having my back. Never heard him say, you deserve better in any way I could have believed. You deserved better orchids, and jaguars, and river dolphins, and all you plants and bugs no human ever cataloged. Fungi, and frogs, and spider monkeys, capybaras, toucans, and sloths. I'm a pointless person in a pointless era, watching from the nosebleed seats while we wreck something that ought to have nourished us, that could have healed at any time if we had heeded its cries. And even now, I can barely hear my own voice force out, stop. Enough. No. Thank
0: you. Okay, wow, thank you, Kiara. Fantastic indeed. Um, Let's give one more round of applause for all 12 of our readers who were indeed fantastic. I'm going to read back through them in order. I know you have their names in your ballot. You may be voting already. Uh, Kiara DeLalo, S.E. Zalalem. It's harder to go backwards than I thought. Uh, Anne Dean, Naomi Brenman, Megan Gwilt, Sky Jackson, Jenny Pinio Dunn, Jazz Sufi, Claire Madden, Alexis Dibbs, Nicole Alexander, and Eva Kohler, all the way back to the beginning. So uh, I probably don't need to tell you, but I'm going to tell you anyway, just in case you fuck it up. You vote for one poet. (laughs) I know you probably want to rank them. I want to do that, too. But, uh, I mean, you could do that, but you're going to have to have a clear number one. Make sure it is very clear which your number one vote is if you are here in person Uh, Darius uh, is about to launch the virtual vote, Uh, so obviously you will also choose one poet. Uh, Poets, you can also vote, of course. You can, by all means, vote for yourself. Don't be shy about doing that. Uh, So, uh, once you voted, (laughs) I'm trying to figure out the best way to collect these fucking ballots. Uh, We are going to... uh, Where are you sending Molly? You have a plan already? Oh, the vase. (laughs) That's right. We have a, someone said vase. We have a, I think it's a plastic vase. Uh, We're going to collect ballots. Uh, Probably the best way is for Molly to come around rather than for the audience to come up front. Please don't do that. Just stay where you are. (laughs) If you have voted, just raise your hand or somehow signal to Molly that you have completed your vote and Molly will come collect it. We're going to take about a 15 to 20-minute break. It's probably going to take about that amount of time. Uh, Please stay seated until we've gotten the ballots. You may, if it's an emergency, you need to go to the bathroom. By all means, do that. Uh, But if you're just trying to get a glass of wine, just hang tight for a second. Okay. Good luck voting. It's going to be hard. I want to tell all the poets that read tonight, you were amazing. Uh, You are indeed winners. I don't just say that. Your poems were truly amazing, and uh, you killed it tonight. I know most people are ignoring me, but I hope the poets that read tonight are listening because (laughs) I truly value what you did tonight. Okay, I'm going to stop talking. Happy voting. (laughs) Okay, folks. The moment of truth has arrived. (laughs) Uh, DJ Darius, can you just hit the hit the pause button on that turntable? <laughs> oh, man. This was uh, quite a contest. Uh, we've been doing this, trying to think, Brooklyn Poets, we started in 2012, we started the Yop in 2013, and I think, uh, I can't remember the first, <laughs> I'm getting so old. I can't remember anymore the first year we did the contest. Is anyone here old enough to remember? Was it it Was either 2013 or 2014? I don't don't think it was the first year, maybe 2014. Arthur's here somewhere, isn't he? Hi! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Arthur, you won 2015? 2015! Was that the first year we did it or not? I wasn't here the year before that. You may have been the first, I don't know. Anyway, uh, we used to do this at 61... How many of you remember 61 Local? Yeah, back in Cobble Hill. Let's give them a round of applause. I miss that place. Uh, I miss that place, but it's partly because they closed that we opened this space, because we're like, we're not going to have any place to do the yop once people start doing in-person events again. Uh, So you're just like, why is this dude chatting like a motherfucker? We just want to find out who won. So uh, I'm going to tell you, we have a few announcements. I'm going to tell you who the runner-up is first. Then I'm gonna tell you who the uh, winner is. Uh, the winner was a pretty definitive winner. If it was close, we would have recounted. <laughs> and if it was close again, we would have recounted again until we had the same numbers every time. But it wasn't, it wasn't close, uh, so uh, if you're wondering. Anyway, and then I'm gonna announce the final award uh, of our awards gala, the Robin Romeo Award winner, which is an award that uh, we used to call it the of the Year which is an award we give to an outstanding poet in our community whose poems we love and also is a loving supporter of other poets. Uh, and we were waiting on that because the, the uh, people we had in mind were finalists tonight <laughs> <laughs> for the contest. Uh, and uh, we try not to give the same poet two awards in one year. We try to spread it out. <laughs> Uh, but I'm also gonna announce that award winner at the end of the night. So I'm gonna invite the Yawp Poem of the Year winner and also the Robin Romeo Award winner up here. And Robin Romeo, if you don't know, was a beloved poet, uh, yawper, uh, brilliant poet, uh, Broken Poets Fellow who passed away uh, recently, a couple of years ago uh, during the pandemic or, or in the midst of that. I mean, we're still in the midst of it for fuck's sake. Um, but uh, a lovely poet and uh, we renamed the award uh, after him. Uh, last year. Okay, uh, on to the moment of truth, or the, uh, I guess the penultimate moment of truth. Our runner-up for 2023 Yacht Poem of the Year is Alexis Dibbs. Give it up for Alexis. Okay, congratulations. Congratulations. And the winner of 2023 Yacht Poem of the Year Award And I'm going to invite you to come up here Say a few words If you want to cry, that's cool Whatever you want to do is great S.E. Zalalan. Come on up
11: Um, I am so grateful to be sitting here in a room of such incredible poets, and I am so delighted to have gotten to hear all of your work and to sit in a room with all of your work aloud was incredible. Um, I'm not going to cry because I already did. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. So, um, but yeah, no, I have a lot of like um, beautiful black loves in my life, and I am grateful to the ones who are here, and I'm grateful to the ones who are on the Zoom, and I'm grateful that I'm going to call about after this. So thank you so much.
0: <laughs> okay, keep it going for S. E. Zalalum. Um and I feel like only the longtime yappers like Arthur know this. It sort of keeps a tradition going where uh SE won like the November. Yeah. It's almost always <laughs> It's almost always the poet that won, like, in October or November. Uh, it's, I don't know what that means, but I don't know. There's, like, a Zodiac thing going on. Uh, so if you come to our awards gala on December 10th, next weekend, next Sunday, I have a trunk full of alcohol in my car that I <laughs> bought for the gala. Do not rob my car tonight, please. I'm not going to tell you what I drive. Uh, we got some good shit in there. If you want to come to a good party... <laughs> And here, S.E. Zalalem Reed. I'll tell you who else is gonna be there. Our gala honoree this year is Cornelius Eady, amazing poet, co-founder of Cave Canem. Uh, Hala Alyan from our board will be reading. <laughs> Darius Phelps with the camera right here will also be speaking and reading. <laughs> you know and love Darius Eugenia Lee, Broken Poets teacher, will be in the house. And uh, some Brooklyn Poets fellows, Mason, Eve, Kai, Rodriguez, Shirley, and IS Jones, also one of our teachers, and am I forgetting anybody? I don't think I am. <laughs> anyway, we're going to have a dance party. It's going to be the first year we have a dance party. We're very excited about that. Um, so if you want to get tickets, uh, Brooklyn Poets Awards Gala, look at our website under Awards Gala, obviously. Uh Okay, our last announcement of the night the Robin Romeo Award winner. Again, uh, given to a loving a poet, an amazing poet in our community who was also a loving supporter of other poets. This year's Robin Romeo recipient is Anne Herondine. Give it up for Anne. Come on up, Anne Herondine. <laughs>
10: so much for this um, I wasn't paying attention so I I don't really know exactly what I won but 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 thank you so thank you so much thank you so much. Um, it's, it's cool. I'm, I'm thrilled and I can't cry I, I had cataract operations
0: All right. I think that was the best acceptance speech ever. <laughs> okay, uh, thanks everyone again for coming. One more round of applause for all of our poets tonight. They were terrific, So I'm sure you know. Final announcement of the evening, if you were interested in the YOP, our final YOP of the year is on Monday, December 11th, the day after the awards gala. I certainly will not be here. Whoever is working that event, probably Darius. <laughs> We'll be hungover. But uh, that will be led by Jessica Greenbaum, one of our board members, a fantastic poet. Uh, So if you want to get tickets to that, you can get that uh, right now. But in other words, uh, again, thank you for coming. Uh, Have a great weekend. Uh, Get some wine. Yeah, anyway, we'll see you next time. Okay, there you have it, the 2023 Yaw Poem of the Year contest. It was an amazing, amazing night, uh, filled with, uh, I'm just going to keep saying the word amazing, filled with amazing poems. It was very difficult to vote, uh, but we had a clear-cut winner in S.E. Zalalem for her incredible poem, Notes on Black Lovers, uh, which... She also read at our Awards Gala on December 10th. Uh, it's been amazing, will just say it one more time, to uh, be introduced to Essie's Zalalaam's work. Uh, she debuted at the Yawp just uh, in October, a couple of months before this contest, and floored everyone with her poem, and then floored them again at our Poem of the Year contest, and then again at our Awards Gala. Uh, congrats as well to longtime Yawper and Friday Night Opener, Friday Night Open, Mike Boat as well Alexis Dibbs for winning runner-up for this year's contest for the plants Uh, you will be able to read uh, both of these poets poems in upcoming Poet of the Week features Uh, I think uh, SC's Aladdams is coming out pretty soon I'm recording this on December 18th, I think it may be coming out as soon as next week uh, and uh, Alexis Dibbs feature will be coming out uh, I think shortly after that, so you have something to look forward to during the holidays I hope you enjoy your holidays I'm going to try to take a break at some point before the end of the year uh, I do have one more podcast to make for our December 11th Yawp with Jessica Greenbaum uh, so look forward to that, but if you're curious about the next Yop, The first one of the new year, 2024, will be on January 8th, featuring the fantastic poet and teacher Carl Michael Iglesias. All right, so you have that to look forward to. You can get tickets for that if you like. Through the Brooklyn Poets website, look under events, and find the op, and you can go to the ticket page. Okay, uh, thanks again for listening, and thanks for coming out to the contest if you did that, and thanks for your vote. I'm sure the poets appreciated it, whoever you voted for. Okay, that's all I've got. Take care.